Blog Talk Radio. This is Kings of Non Sequitur. Any topic, any subject, anything goes. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Good evening, everybody. We are in the house. We have our formal wear, our tuxedos. Everything is set, and we are ready for the first of two Sunday nights in a row special Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy induction shows. You are here live with us on a Sunday night, July the 29th, 2018. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Tonight is for baseball lovers. You had the real Hall of Fame induction ceremony earlier today, but Anyone can induct Chipper Jones and Bob Costas and Vladimir Guerrero into a baseball Hall of Fame. There's other people, there's other events, there's other things that need to be recognized that Major League Baseball may not necessarily want to recognize. And that's where we come along to fill in the gaps. I'll be filling in the gaps next week for the NFL Hall of Infamy show. This week, filling in the gaps for the Baseball Hall of Infamy show. It's time to turn the proceedings over to your MC for the evening. Here is Jay. Thank you very much, Andre, for the intro there. Yes, very excited that this is year two. So it's the second annual Major League Baseball Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy induction show. Uh, This year is, as I was telling you right in the brief time before the show, this is the year that we get to right some wrongs and, and put in first-year ballot-worthy individuals um, and, and things possibly or a lot of fun to be had on this show. But, you know, a couple of moments during this show, one in particular, and that we're going to start the show with here, I think is going to be the big, we're going to smack ourselves both on the front of the head, as I did when we induce or induct the first <laughs> entrant this year into the Hall of Infamy. No intro here. I'm going to go right into this cold and give you this. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Because if they're the real Chicago fucking fans, they can kiss my fucking ass right downtown and print it. They're really, really behind you around here. My fucking ass. What the the fuck am I supposed to do? Go out there and let my fucking players get destroyed every day and be quiet about it for the fucking nickel-dime people to show up? The motherfuckers don't even work. That's why they're out at the fucking game. They only go out and get a fucking job and find out what it's like to go out there and a fucking living. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. A fucking playground for the cocksuckers. Rip them motherfuckers. Rip them cocksuckers like the fucking players. Got guys busting their fucking ass and them fucking people boo. And that's the Cubs? My fucking ass. They talk about the great fucking support that the players get around here. I haven't seen it this fucking year. The name of the game is hit the ball, catch the ball, and get the fucking job done. 
Right now, we have more losses than we have wins. The fucking changes that have happened in the Cub organization are multifold. All right, they don't show because we're 5-14. and 14. And unfortunately, that's the criteria of them dumb 15 motherfucking percent that come out the day baseball. The other 85% are earning a living. It'll take more than a 5 and 13 or 5 and 14 to destroy the makeup of this club. I'll guarantee you that. There's some fucking pros out there that want to fucking play this game. But you're stuck in a fucking stigma of the fucking Dodgers and the Phillies and the Cardinals and all that cheap shit. All these motherfucking editorials about say and fucking uh, the Phillyitis and all that shit, it's, it's sickening. It's unbelievable. It really is. It's a disheartening fucking situation we're in right now. Five and 14 doesn't negate all that work. Got 143 fucking games left. What I'm trying to say is don't rip them fucking guys out there. Rip me. If you want to rip somebody, rip my fucking ass. But don't rip them fucking guys because they're giving everything they can give. hot right off the bat how 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 did we miss that the very first go around folks i have to give you for our very first entry into the second annual mlb hall of infamy one of if not the most famous manager meltdowns of all time the grand daddy of them all before jim mora before all the others we had lee elia it, and it was one of the it's one of the most amazing things ever. April twenty ninth, nineteen eighty three. I remember growing up in Chicago, listening to uh, sports talk radio, and you know, it was in the nine, late nineties when I was uh, was still living down there, and I was I'd, I'd be working late hours, um, and I, and I'd it'd be late at night, I'd be out, and uh, Les Grobstein, the Grobber, who you and I are both very familiar with on the score overnight at that time was the reporter that recorded that. So he gets full credit here, um, recorded it and then made it a point every year. And it was, it always seemed like I caught his show in the overnight when he would sort of memorialize the anniversary of, of that rant. And it was basically, it was just an entire show, probably a three hour sports talk show just reliving that event and, of course, taking phone calls from, from drunken people in the middle of the night because it was the overnight show. Um, and it, But it was many years later that I finally got to hear the unedited version, and you can only truly appreciate the Lee Elia meltdown there in its, in its truest form. You, you can't do it with the bleeps. you know. And, and it's funny bec- because I think if we had a counter – between you and I for how many times we have quoted that on this show or between the two of us, we'd, we'd, we'd lose track. It would, it would just start smoking and catch on fire. Rip them motherfuckers. (laughs) That's the Cubs. (laughs) My fucking ass. I mean, inside just that two and a half minute clip, 
So thank you for bearing with me, but I'm sure you just sat there with a big grin on your face through the whole thing. Um, I'm sure as soon as it started, the palm hit the forehead, you know, you had the V8 moment. Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have an entire Jim Mora wing of the Hall of Infamy. So we are officially going to have now the Lee Elia wing (laughs) of the Hall of Infamy. And this this will just play on the loudspeaker on a loop. As as you walk in, so so yeah, the Cubs were the Cubs were off to a brutal start. They were like five and fourteen, I believe it was five and fourteen, five and fifteen, right around there. So so they're just they lost another tough game. They lost to the Dodgers, and this is in '83. So the, the the pieces were in place for a lot of the success that the Cubs would then have in '84 and '85. You know, those those were really good teams, and and Elia was there right sort of almost for the beginning of it. <clears throat> but but leaving the field that day, uh, the Cubs, the fans were heckling the Cubs so bad, you know, the, the 15% that is unemployed were out there right. heckling the Cubs so bad that two of the Cubs players uh, were attempting to actually go into the stands. We were going to have a little malice in the palace at Wrigley Field. Um, you know, this way is back before, before the time. This is way yeah, everything here is groundbreaking. This and this is way back before the days um of the uh forty thousand fans, you know, oh, sitting yeah. in Wrigley every yeah, th- this is I mean, there were stretches in the seventies and legend goes and it was true that the, the, they closed the upper decks at Wrigley Field. There were so few fans. They didn't even need to let the people go up into the upper decks. Why why staff them? Why have anybody working up there? So, yeah, really bad. So the, the two players who were attempting to go into the fans to fight the, the players uh, that were trying to go in and fight the fans were Larry Boa and Keith Moreland. So, and, and these weren't bums, right? Again, these guys, these guys were, were pretty, pretty uh, riled up at these fans. And then in the locker room or in, you know, in the manager's office after the game, there were four reporters in there. And one of them, unfortunately, had the hot mic. This is, of course, 1983. This is pre-Twitter, right? You, you can't, there's no, there, there's no delete. And uh, yeah, the the story has it that, uh, of course, you know, Grobsteed with after the hot mic there, goes to Dallas Green, the GM of the Cubs, plays the tape for him, and then Lee Elia is summoned to the office to hear the recording, and it stunned even him. <laughs> I mean, it was like he didn't even realize that he had said most of the things he said. Like, they were basically just getting a complete raw stream of consciousness from the manager and how angry he was at the fans and the lack of support for the team. And uh, I'm sad that this was not a first ballot entrant, but uh, I think justice has been served. Um what what say you there, Andre? As you said, it is maybe the most legendary manager meltdown of all time. Earl Weaver has uh, an awesome one out there. Uh, Lou Pinella on the field has had legendary ones, of course, Tommy Lasorda. But this one was, was going to be special to us being from Chicago. Um, and all the little uh, things, all the details around it, uh, first of all, Grobber 
uh, is the first person that pops in mind for uh, being the man on the scene getting this raw footage. You talk about making a career out of this. Grob, Grobber is still doing overnight yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. He's and still there. There's no reason to keep him around after all these years. He's completely irrelevant, but he's the guy. He's the Ilya guy. So he's always going to be the Ilya guy. And so he's always going to have a job because of that. Uh, but yeah, you want to talk about capturing something that is just, I'm I'm not surprised at all to hear that part that Ilya was shocked when he heard the tape. I, I never heard that before, but I'm not surprised because you don't drop that many F-bombs in a row uh, in that short of time. He was setting a, he was, he was setting a record. If there was a F-bomb counter, uh, it would be smoking. Uh, it would be the same counter that'd be smoking if we counted the number of times that we've referenced the speech uh, on this show over the six years. Uh, it was unbelievable. You don't go off like that unless you have just lost it and you're just going completely bonkers. So, yeah, uh, it was absolutely legendary. I, I don't know how we both missed it the first time. I, uh, my, my theory um, is I'm going to say we were so young when it happened, we actually weren't aware of it for a long time uh, until, like you said, uh, later on and, and, you know, 10 years later that we're listening to sports talk radio and sports talk radio didn't even exist when this happened in 83. So where would you even, you know, where would Grobber even play it? He's just been holding on to that tape all those years and then he gets a job and is able to play it and, and sort of make a career for himself. Uh, but yeah, we weren't aware of it really. And, uh, I think, you know, obviously if we were uh, adults and knew of it, uh, we would have it more uh, in the front of our minds. Yeah. Uh, and also if there were sports talk radio and it was being played all the time, we would have it in our minds. But it wasn't played. It was just sort of a, it was sort of a ghost tape for, uh, for a few years uh, before sports talk radio sort of came along in the late 80s. So, but yeah, it is absolutely 100% deserving of being in the Hall of Infamy, it's as infamous as you can get. Lee Ilya, not really known for much of anything in his managing days, but he always and forever will be known for that rant. Yeah, and you all, you have to give almost a a sidebar entry to to Grobstein just for for holding the hot mic because that's that was his career moment. That was it. it. That was that was truly his. It was not even his fifteen minutes because he's parlayed that into a career. Right. So um, all you but, all you young reporters out there. Yeah. But yeah, just have that hot mic. Yeah, now you just need to, now now people just say the say the stupid shit on Twitter. You don't even need or just, need the reporter or, there to to catch the to catch the hot mic anymore. You know, we're we're, we're going to very rarely get the moments like that or the Richard Sherman moment. You know, um, because now we can just get it all on Twitter or Instagram. Now it's or, now it's a race to see which uh, which. You know, NFL draft prospect is going to get busted for for pot <laughs> or saying racist shit. Yeah, but or you catch I, catch a guy in a bar and turn your phone on, and now you yeah. can become a reporter too. And and I do have to give uh, Grobstein here full credit as well for opening up my eyes to this. You know, because the, I basically found out about this through his show. One of those. April 29th anniversary shows when he would be lighting up the airwaves talking about the, the Lee Elia rant. And, you know, and I'd always of course had heard it in the, the bleeped form, but oh, I, mean, yeah. it, I, I believe it's 49 F bombs is the official count. 
49. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. That's incredible. In, and in I'll three just say minutes, that so you're, you're throwing one out there every about eight seconds um, mm-hmm. or so in that amount of time. So just absolutely amazing. So I, I, I dug up a news article from uh, about 10 years ago. ESPN here uh, gets the credit for this, but uh, it was the story about Elia being dragged into the office. And, and here's his quote. I, this is him in uh, Dallas Green's office. His quote was, I was completely oblivious with God as my witness when Dallas Green when Dallas called me to his office. I told him I had to get to Park Ridge to ump my daughter's softball game. And he told me, if you don't get up here, you can start packing your bags. Then, when I finally heard the recording, I surprised myself. I didn't realize half of what I had said. I was like, where in the world did I come up with that? <laughs> so, you know, that's one of those heat of, heat of, heat of passion, right? Heat of the moment. I mean, this yeah. is a, lot of, a lot of this is why they don't shove the microphone in the face of the player right after this is why when we get those, you know, raw moments right after a game, I always love it. You might not always agree or, you know, with, with what the player says or what the coach says, but it, this is what they want. They want this. So once again, we had another one of those sort of pioneering hot mic heat of the moment situation. So yeah, this is, I think this is the granddaddy of them all. I, I know all the times when like the ESPNs and the MLBs and those, and they do those top 10 shows, Sometimes this barely even registers as one of the best sports rants of all. Come on. How does this not make a list? I think if you're a ESPN and you're a Disney company, you have to sort of ignore this rant, particularly because <laughs> yeah. there's 49 F-bombs in it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. Beep, 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 right. You rip them. Beep, 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 yeah. <laughs> you almost can't make out what audio recording saying. too. So you have no video to accompany it either. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. So total joy. Uh, I told you we would hit the ground running here for this show. And I just want to say that it brings back great memories to hear that rant uh, as well, because the first place I heard it uncensored was when I was working at the Chicago Board Options Exchange. And I'm going to forget the guy's name, but we had a floor trader that was sort of ahead of his time. He had the, the spots on his computer just drops all over the place audio drops of just the funniest stuff and crazy stuff yeah and when when two traders would get arguing over something and it, which happened often in the heat of passion and they'd be ready to fight or something like that he would be right there ready to start playing that rant to sort of you know it, it's setting the stage for the fight and and it's also yeah. serving as some levity and making people sort of laugh and take a deep breath because you really sort of realize that you're sounding like a guy that dropped 49 F-bombs in an epic rant and you, that sort of calmed you down a little bit. Yeah, I, and I was, I was I discovered this back in the early 2000s um, back when the file sharing, like the music file sharing was very popular, mm-hmm. you know, with like the, the Morpheus services and those, if you remember those. Um, and it was one of the, you know, I was looking for like the Cubs songs, you know, because you, you could find it, you could download it, and this came up. And I had never heard the completely unedited version before. I downloaded that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Legendary. And burned it to, I had a little CD, and it said Cubs, and I had all the Cubs tunes that I could find on there. 
and uh, yeah, not kid friendly, not safe for work, folks. So I hope you I hope people don't listen to this podcast on the job. Um, not, I mean, we swear, so they should they should know already. Um, this 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 isn't always safe for work, but uh, we could talk about this one all night. But if you have no, no better way, to, you're listening to this show. Fuck yeah, you. No, yeah, no better way to start, huh? Oh yeah, off and running. Yeah. So. I did warn you. I did say that we would have one that would be a little bit of participation on your part, and and it's not to and it's not to rub it into you on anything here. Maybe maybe sure a little is. bit, but sure it's also it a positive because for our second induction, um, it's a triple induction into the Hall of Infamy. I hope you. I don't know if you know where I'm going already. No, uh, I don't. Couple of reasons. It's a three-way induction for being sort of the epitome of steady production and also a three-way induction for having one of the coolest nicknames that you have ever assigned anybody anywhere in all the years that we have known each other. And I'm going to let you expand on this one a little bit here and I'll follow in with a little bit more detail for the second induction into the baseball hall of infamy. I have to have the applause ready here. I am going to give you, the law firm. The law firm. Of Womack, Glanville, and Die. Ah, yeah. Whoa, that's going law back firm. in the day. Yeah, we're going back to basically what amounts to a period of time here, about a three-year period, uh, back around 1998 to uh, 99, 2000, 2001. So 99-2000-2001. My, my co-host here was a very budding fantasy baseball player, and I had not yet taken the plunge into fantasy sports, but that didn't stop me from giving advice. So every year I would tell him, you need to draft if you want to be successful, because I've always had my eye on these three guys, you need to draft Tony Womack, Doug Glanville, and Jermaine Dye, and and you always scoffed at me. Ah, and I would never draft those guys. And then every time for about the next three, four years that I would talk to you during baseball season and ask you, how's your baseball team doing? Uh, you know, I said, you know what you need? <laughs> you need Wolbank, Landville, and Die. To at which one point, at somewhere in that run, you said, you know, that sounds like the name of a law firm. <laughs> and at every point since then, that was always known as the law firm. Um, and you, and you always stayed away from those guys. It's like, you, you never believed that was probably the, and this is where, you know, the, I'm not, I'm not giving you a hard time, but it was one of those where you just never could, could bring yourself into believing like, ah, they're not that good. They're, they're not going to keep it up. These guys aren't going to produce like that. Well, let's take a look at these three players. Shall we? None of these guys are Hall of Famers, by the way. I mean, no. and none of these guys are even close. But if you're looking for, like I said, the epitome of consistent production, you can't do a lot worse than these three guys as far as being, you know, sort of like steady eddies on your team. I wasn't telling you to draft these guys first. A lot of times these guys were very um, mid-round, especially earlier in their careers, sort of like almost like sleeper-type picks. Uh, well, let's take a look at the 1999, uh, 99, 1999 campaign of Tony Womack. 
277, four home runs, 41 RBIs. He scored 111 runs and stole 72 bases. Not bad. Not too bad. 1999, Doug Glanville, because you always knew I, Doug Glanville was my guy. Yeah. Doug Glanville hit 325, 11 home runs, 73 RBIs, 34 stolen bases, and scored 101 runs. That's also very 19, good. At 1999, Jermaine Dye hit 294 with 27 home runs, 119 RBIs, two stolen bases, and scored 96 runs. And that level of production over the next two to three years for those players would just continue to grow. And Jermaine Dye actually ended up turning out probably the best career of those three players. Um, multiple all-star appearances and got MVP votes towards the end of his career uh, with the White Sox. If you remember the good years that Jermaine Dye uh, had a 40 home run campaign with them towards the end in uh, 2008. But the law firm of Womack, Glanville and Dye, you can't, we can't talk about those guys without bringing that up. So they all have to go in together. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, and and it's just one of the nicknames. I'm sorry. What are the coolest nicknames? Oh, yeah, the the law firm. I had really forgotten about a lot of that. But it was just one of those situations where every time – it wasn't that I was trying to avoid drafting them at all. It's that they would always get drafted before I had a chance to get them, or, you know, a round or two before <laughs> I thought that they deserved to get drafted. Uh, because Womack, uh, as you read those 99 stats uh, – is pointed out he was a steals guy but he didn't give you much of anything else glanville was uh, a weakling he was never going to give you much power he was al- always pretty good on average but I, he, he was never going to help you out in the in the rbi and 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 home run categories and jermaine dies uh sort of peak was a little later than than it was supposed to be jermaine die i always placed sort of with andrew jones because they came up together as braves and andrew jones was doing so much better than jermaine die i think that might have soured me on die as well die just didn't really peak until later on and therefore that sort of labeled him as not quite as worthy to me but uh, absolutely i remember his uh white Sox days that jermaine die will drink free forever uh, on the south side of Chicago for being the not just uh, a key member of the of the Sox, but the 2005 World Series most valuable player, Jermaine Dye. So uh, helped us get that one ring that no one ever seems to want to credit the White Sox for, for having. <laughs> the one that was erased um, from history when the Cubs won it Right, all. exactly. Like Chicago Sox, has finally actually, won a World Series. Yeah, I think they actually drove up to the White Sox players' houses and just took their rings. <laughs> said, oh, sorry, you can have these back now that the Cubs have won. Turn those in. There's some button that they could push that vaporized the rings, no matter where they were at the moment. They just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, the law firm, they just they kept eluding my grasp. And, and there's now players throughout the years that I won't even get into that have done the same thing, that I, every time I want to draft them in fantasy leagues, they go a little higher than I thought they were going to, and I just don't get them, and then I have to watch them have success. And that's why I suck at fantasy baseball right and, now. And, and through it all, you had me sort of, taunting you about those three guys. Like, hey, you know what you need. <laughs> That's right. You need the, you law, need the firm. law firm. That's right. <laughs> and before every season would start, because for people who don't know, we were total nerds. We would actually do a baseball preview show 
on the phone with each other. <laughs> and if, right. invariably, fantasy would come up, and I would tell you, you know you need the law firm. Now, and they didn't keep that production up forever, but there was about a three-year period um, when I was sort of re- – I was sort of hot onto the trail of these guys like the year before, maybe even the year before that. So I had been planting the seeds about, like, hey, you know – you know, and it was never the one guy by himself. I was like, you need all three of them because they sort of complement each other. Right. Like if you had those three guys filling roster spots, you'd have a lot of categories kind of handled, you know, uh, maybe right. not the Dye power would, category, but I give you some pop. Glanville yeah. would keep the average up and Womack was yep. the steals guy. And you know me, I, and I love to, you know how I love to spread, you know, I love my speed guys. That's always kind of been my, my thing. And I think that, you know, that some of that's even carried over even into strategies as we play fantasy baseball now. So some of, some of my earliest fantasy memories packaged up in a neat little bow around one of, one of my favorite nicknames that either one of us has ever come up with, um, and, and the three of them have to go in together they'll, they'll have a plaque. Or, or, a, or a photograph on the wall, and, it, and it'll have to look cheesy. It'll have to look like one of those Yuppie and Abraham commercials. <laughs> you know, or one of those cheesy lawyer commercials, you know, ambulance chasers that you see on TV with, with, with the cheesy pictures of those guys. That, that's what it would be, because they are the law firm of Womack, Glanville, and Die. Because that was the joke, because you said, oh, it's not, they, you know, you, the way you always talk about it, I always talked about them in that order. Mm-hmm. So it became sort of a running gag. And it went on for years. So I'm glad I was able to drudge that. I thought you, I thought you, I almost stunned you there for a minute. Like you had to go back into the memory banks to remember it, but totally, yeah, I did totally worthwhile. And then, you know, as we always like to come up with a little bit of, you know, of our history, this goes, this goes back 20 years in our history. Let's go back to the beginning of, of fantasy for us, which is a yeah. long, long time ago. Yeah. I didn't really start getting into the fantasy stuff until Oh, two Oh three. I mean, I remember getting pretty pretty big into it. You finally talked me into playing sandbox, like football. And that was uh, right around the time when, yeah, that was right around about the time when I had left Chicago, which would have been, you know, getting into the like 03, 04 time period when I really started getting big into the fantasy stuff. And eventually we would do like the Yahoo, you know, and, and on all of those. And, and, and I started finally getting into baseball. And then eventually I get, you know, into the, uh, the, 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 ad hack league, the money league. And, uh, that was 2002, um, that I actually got into that. So I got into that right around about the same time when I really started to get in, into the, the fantasy, like the football and stuff. I think that was almost goes hand in hand. Um, because I remember being pulled into the American league only league that I was in and I just, I had to have Jermaine die. <laughs> <laughs> You know? had to have some of the law firm on you. I, I had to. And, and, of course, this is back in years when he was not very good. These are like those years when he was in Oakland. Um, yeah. and, and he was sort of average. And then he had that big sort of career resurgence when he went to the White Sox. But some of my prejudices and, and everything said that I really wanted to have him because he's part of the law firm. And he was the only one of the three that I could own. And I, and I always tried – I always sort of sought after – getting him on my team, but because this was a league of, of possession, it was very hard to do. Right. So, but, 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 but a, but a fun memory 
um, that again, you know, we always kind of have those moments that are sort of the, you know, our moments, because it is our hall of fame and hall of infamy. Um, and, 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 and a positive one, nothing negative here, other than the fact that I always sort of taunted you about getting those players and you were, you never really were able to, to put the, put the combo together to really test it out. No, I, no, I didn't. I, I was never able to get a hold of all, of all three, uh, at any point and RIP uh, sandbox.com. That's, that's another throwback uh. there. Sky point. <laughs> yeah. I, my, my still my favorite uh, football site for, for, for fantasy football, still my favorite out of all the ones. Then they monetized and it kind of went downhill. Um, yeah. But when you wanted to, they had the best setup for 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 stat tracking for looking up free agents. Um, you and I were big IDP guys, and and, and their yeah. setup for IDP was the best of all of them. I yeah. I still miss playing IDP. I, I always die I a little bit too. inside if I get I get I die inside if I get roped into a league where I have to take a team defense. <laughs> you know, I want those individual defensive players. I thought. I mean, it's like my awareness of the game increased yes, by playing by playing fantasy, and then also playing with individual defensive players. So, so yeah. So you and I are both on board with that because you know you want you you started looking at things that you normally wouldn't pay attention to, like tackles and passes defended and things yeah, that you normally. Yeah, and and all of a sudden players on the other side of the ball and on the, and, and in other teams and. You started all of a sudden taking an interest in, in wow, this guy's like a tackle machine, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember the year that you were so mad at me for drafting James Laurinaitis because <laughs> well, he was the son of a wrestler. And yes. how did how did I sneak him by you in a, in a fantasy football draft? How many fantasy football drafts was James Laurinaitis drafted in as a rookie? He was drafted in ours. And it was a sore yeah. subject. So, right. How, how dare you? How do you know about him? You yeah. have no right to know about Road Warrior Animal Son. How dare you? <laughs> so people, I, we're not going out of Kings of Non Sequitur tangent here. This this entrant is is representative of our love of fantasy sports. Absolutely. Um, and, and probably the first entrant, I would say, in either Hall of Infamy that has really had that sort of fantasy slant to it. Um, we've had entrants on the football side that have had uh, bearing on our picks, um, like the 2004 San Diego Chargers. Mm-hmm. We don't want to rub any salt in any wounds, but this is the this is the first one that you know I want to say for either sport that we've really had that's had that that fantasy aspect to it, where it really and it, and it was and it was meaningful. Um, because it started, you know, at that period when we were both starting to to learn or start to think about or get into it. Because you were on before I was, and you were always trying to kind of like, hey, come on, you know, why don't you join? You know, you're trying to suck me in. And then I get, of course, sucked in by uh, our friend Bill, the loser, who gets me into the AL only league. And and, and here I am. <laughs> Many years later. Season later, still going at it. So. I, a lot of credit back to those early days of paying attention to things I didn't always pay attention to, like runs and whip and steals and you know players from other teams. And all of a sudden, it's you know that to me. And then I told you about these three guys 
you coined the nickname and the rest was history. So a worthy entrant, not a first ballot one. I don't think this one's had to be in the first time. Like like Lee Elia probably deserved it. Yeah. (laughs) The hardest thing for me with Elia was just finding a clean cut of that to download. That was the hardest part. Um, And once I found it, I was like, oh, he's so in. (laughs) All right. These last three a little bit more. Uh, it might be a little breezier. So those first two were a little took a little bit more explaining. Uh, the last three, uh, this one is almost another one of those sort of obvious ones, but it was one of those where it had to go in eventually. Um, because it's not very often that you get to nominate somebody that had a 30-year career. How's that? Very impressive. And whose entire 30-year career was ruined by one thing. Folks, I give you Don Denkinger. Mm. Anybody who might be a St. Louis Cardinals fan probably just threw up in their mouth a little bit at the very mention of the name Don Denkinger. Don Denkinger was a major league umpire from 1969 to 1998. His resume reads like a who's who of MLB umpires for the number of World Series, All-Star Games, League Championship Series, you name it, he was there. And in, in a sport and in a position where you never want to be seen, it only took one moment to make him possibly the most hated man in St. Louis Cardinals history for one blown call. Um, and, and, and back in the days when instant replay was being talked about as a possibility, how many people mentioned Don Dickinger? Pretty much all of them. Like, we need instant replay – just think back so we don't get calls like that in the World Series. Uh, that was also helped along by the Joe Maurer ball that was hit down the line in the uh, one playoff game against the Yankees uh, that was fair by about 10 feet that the ump called. <laughs> but, but that one probably was like sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, but we'll set the tone here. Uh, game six of the 1985 World Series, Don Dickinger, was umping at first. The Cardinals were winning. They were they had a three games to two lead. They had a one to nothing lead in the eighth inning. The batter for the Orioles in this case was Jorge Orta. Is that a blast from the Jorge past for you? Orta. Oh. Yes. Slow roller up the line to Jack Clark, who, who throws the ball to Todd Worrell covering first base. Orta was out easily by half a step. Or was he? Although replays, everybody in the stadium, blind folks, I mean, people who weren't even watching the game, everybody on earth knew he was out, unfortunately, except for Don Dickinger, who called him safe, and the Royals went on to win 2-1. to one. And then the Cardinals ended up losing the World Series. So... 
not very good, but the story doesn't end there. St. Louis, St. Louis fans are very classy. If you didn't know that, <clears throat> did you know that? Did you know how classy those Cardinals? You know, because we always have to hear the bullshit about how the Cardinals fans are the best in baseball. Well, those best in baseball fans started sending death threats to Denkinger. How's that? Death threats. Could yeah, you, you imagine that? He's the one that went imagine, on to lose the game for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, this is uh, this could be a la Bartman or some other things, right? I mean. Yeah, you know they had to be escorted out of the stadium by armed guards, but yeah, Denkinger got death threats. But wait, no, wait, let's go one step further. They announced Denkinger's phone number and home address on St. Louis radio station. Man, this is groundbreaking too. He got doxxed. <laughs> Twenty years and, before and, anyone and, knew yeah. what it was. And the and the threats continued. So, I mean, you want to talk about, and and never lived it down. I mean, the guy had a long career, but when you watch anything that has to do with a top ten blown sports calls, this this sometimes is number one. Yeah, that's right up there. And to have a thirty year career, successful, a great career. I mean, you you umped in the AL for thirty years. I don't think you and I have any particular memories about. Don Denkinger blowing a lot of calls. You know, he he's no C.B. Buckner. He's no Angel I was, Hernandez. I was going to say, there's some legendary bad umpire names that come to mind, and those are two of two of them, right. definitely. Uh, but, right. Yeah. Who are just bad in general. Right. They're just bad overall. They're just really, you know, ego-driven ones. You know, we can, we can remember, we can remember the umps who, you know, the game was about them. Yeah, he's no country than, Joe West. Oh, yeah. Other than this moment, everything was great. But, oh, what a moment. Oh, what a moment. So, yeah, you know, and and even MLB admitted. But this was hard at a time, you know, (laughs) to, to admit you're wrong. Even MLB, after the after the game, kind of looked at it, went, yeah, he was out. Yeah, it's kind of obvious. Isn't that great? Yeah. So Don Denkinger has to be in. It, it, it's almost it's almost more of a just a just a you know it, it's almost more like a procedural thing. It's like yep, check it off the list. He's now in the Hall of Infamy. Right there in his picture is the ball in the mitt and the dude's foot not even near first base <laughs> and the out <laughs> and the outfist being pumped. Because it, it wasn't even pumped. close. It wasn't even close. No, it wasn't. It it's, uh, really is part of St. Louis's baseball history because they were right there. It's about as bad as the the Buckner error for a lot of people because you talk yeah. about having the title on your, your, your fingertips right there in your grasp, and all of a sudden this one thing goes bad. In uh, Buckner's case, it's, a, it's an error, but in the uh, – Dinkinger's case, it's a bad umpire call and everything. And you also brought up the Bartman game where the Cubs are, uh, it's not a world title on their fingers, but it is a pennant. And, uh, and everything just goes completely to hell from that point forward. So, yes, Dinkinger is very much infamous when you talk about infamous bad umpire calls and, and 
replay coming along many, many years later, yeah, you're right. They probably do throw back to this as part of the uh, the reasoning to have replay because this was everyone in the world saw the fact that the guy was out or should have been called out instead he was called safe. Um, and it just started the rally from there, and everything just went to hell. So, yeah, Dinkager's name is absolutely infamous and, and synonymous with uh, with one bad umpire call. And it really is a shame that a whole career gets defined by that, but but that's exactly what happened. Right, because if you say Don Dinkinger, that's all you – you can just you can see it in your mind. the first thing you think of. Yeah. So so we're going a little old school here. We're back, you know, 1985, 1983 – um, late late nineties, so yeah. I mean, we 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 we've got a little old school here, but again, with, with this being early on, you know, there's so much to mine from. Yeah, absolutely, from all these things. So yeah, it, it, you know, it, and, and it's probably not the, the the first or or the last. It is the first, but it won't be the last bad umping, I'm sure, <laughs> in in the hall of infamy. Not <laughs> to mine from. Yes. <laughs> many, many, many years of of, of terrible calls. Um, un- unfortunately, uh, we we have to sort of put in the if you're going to put in the first one, I guess you do have to go sort of into the wayback machine and get the sort of again the granddaddy of them all uh, with Don Deckinger. So and and you know and there's a trend here in baseball more than any other sport where it seems like when all the bad shit happens to teams, it's always in Game Six, right? Buckner game six. This was game six. Bartman was game six. The you know then that's and then so these people get sort of scapegoated, but the other team still had to go out and lose game seven. Mm-hmm. Right? Cubs had a lead in game seven of their series. Uh, the Red Sox still had to win a game seven, or in this case they lost a game seven. Uh, was that to the Mets? Yeah. And then you also uh, you know. What was the other one I said? Because that was also a big game six. And then this one. So, <laughs> yeah. So three big sort of game six blunders there. But this, again, just kind of set that tone. And then they have it be on an umping call. And, of course, you know, fans are just going to blame the ump. Just like fans blame Bartman, who I, and I'm run record on this show, have never actually blamed for that team blowing it. Didn't even blame him at the time. Because he still had, still had to play the game. Yeah. Steve Bartman did not give up eight runs in the eighth inning of game six. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Bartman wasn't wasn't grooving fastballs down the middle to Mike Mordecai. Oh. Yeah. That, that might be a Kyle future reduction. That was Kyle Farnsworth grooving fastballs down the middle to, to Mike Mordecai. So all right. We're gonna we're gonna move on here. A little much, much more recent. So this is much more recent. Another, another entrant who's been joked about quite a bit on our show. Uh, but now we're going to put a name to the story. Um, it, you know, get a little bit. Not, we don't generally do a deep dive. I've only got about that eh, thirteen minutes to try to get these both in here, but I should be able to do it. Uh, our fourth entrant is going to go into. Uh, this this is this is great when I when I explain who this gentleman is. He is going to go into the uh, Hall of Infamy as the first Jew hating Cubs fan in MLB history. Uh, 
I give you Dino Lorenzi Jr. Famous for driving around with Ryan Braun's pee sample for way too long. <laughs> yep. Back in 2013, Ryan Braun got popped for PEDS. So he had to take a test. And then he tried a lobbying campaign against the guy, the courier, who basically drove around his pee sample and kept it in his house overnight because he was too far from the nearest FedEx location, so he ended up taking Ryan Braun's pee sample with him home. Ryan Braun, classy guy that he is. I mean, probably a Cardinals fan growing up. Ryan Braun would, would start a lobbying campaign with his fellow players to, <laughs> to basically say that the guy, this Dino Lorenzi Jr., this poor, this poor guy, was a anti-Semitic Cubs fan. And that he tainted Braun's sample. I don't. That he that he, he somehow must have applied all the peds into Ryan Braun's pee uh, just out of pure brewer hate and anti-Semitism. Well, obviously Braun had had stooped about as low as you could possibly go. And, and what's even better was MLB completely determined that the sample was pure, had not degraded, and was not tampered with. So, Ryan Braun, <laughs> in the meantime, has decided through his agent that they were paying private investigators to dig up dirt on the anti-Jew, <laughs> the anti-Jew Cubs fan. No joke. <sighs> you can't That's even just, spit that out with a straight face. I mean... The, the depths of depravity that people will go to just it just tr- he's just trying he's trying to clear his name trying to come up with anything all the the best Ryan Braun who was just a, a total cheater even his apology was phony the best he could come up with was was I'm gonna play the Jew card I'm Jewish and this guy's a Cubs fan so therefore he must be driving around my pee sample and I'm gonna tarnish his good name well folks we are here to clear the name of Tito Lorenzi Jr. and give him his rightful spot in the MLB Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy for for one being completely innocent. Uh, the fact that the guy's name was even again the fact we even know his name guess how we know his name? Hmm. Bronze people leaked it to the media. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how? How do you? How do you do? And, and to this day, the the, the Brewers, I, I, they they could. The contract is so big, they just can't get rid of him. Ryan Braun is an anchor, just tied around the neck of that franchise because he got bop, popped for the Peds. They don't want him, but he is owed so much money. He's so almost fraudulently made that huge contract. Nobody will take it on. And they sort of they they trot him out there to hit his you know eighteen home runs a year, and they they're paying him just all this money. And when he when he does get popped, he, he just doesn't do the Robinson Cano thing and say, "Hey, I accept it." And I wasn't really 
taking that stuff, but I totally accept it. No, he he decides to go out and try to shame the guy who drove around with his sample, just the courier. The poor guy who, whose job it was was to just to take the sample and then mail it and ended up sort of keeping it probably on ice or in whatever, you know. It's not like the dude took it home and, and popped it open. He had his little alchemist lab, you know, and he was putting everything. <laughs> oh, my God. But the, the things that they were trying to to say about this guy and then to pull out the fact that he's an anti-Semite. And, oh, don't forget, he's a Cubs fan. Well, I mean, in case the anti-Semite thing doesn't grab you, then we'll, we'll throw this out as well. And he hates the Cubs. We'll, we'll throw that on top as well. <laughs> and he loves the Cubs. He loves the Cubs. He hates the Brewers. He hates I'm sorry. He hates the, the Brewers fan. and he yeah. loves the Cubs. Right. Yeah. He hates the Brewers. He loves the Cubs. And he hates Jews. So, so right. therefore, he spiked my pee. And that is the definition of throwing shit against the wall to see what sticks. And <laughs> this is... Five years ago. So very recent. It is. So just the fact that we even know the name of Dino Lorenzi Jr. And the fact that I was able to even look it up or remember this story is all because of the sliminess of Ryan Braun. So if you didn't hate Ryan Braun enough before, now you have a little bit more to hate him about. Well, it's good that we're... Uh, inducting the kid that did nothing wrong. Uh, so we'll, we'll always be able to remember how slimy Ryan Braun is by uh, yes. remembering this kid. Uh, there's a couple other things that popped in my mind uh, during that story. One is what the brewers up there are just dealing with a lot of guys, a lot of guys that aren't very good people because they get to cheer <laughs> Ryan Braun every night. And they also get to cheer their uh, racist reliever, Josh Hader, every night. So they're just full of guys that uh, nobody else wants to like. But they'll, they'll love them in Milwaukee, sure. We'll, we'll love our guys, no problem. Um, and the other thing that popped in my mind is uh, there's something about Miami that uh, you get guys from there that decide, okay, we get caught cheating. Yeah. We're not going down like everyone else. Because Broad is from Miami, and he's got the, the fake – anti-Semite uh, Cub fan that hates the Brewers. Uh, that He's got that story to go to. Alex Rodriguez is from Miami, and when he when he gets popped, he's not going down without a fight either because he's got a fake Dominican cousin that he's going to bring out, <laughs> and he's going to tell everybody that this guy injected yeah. me with something, and that's why I got caught. Yeah. That's not how, how my fault at all. How, how soon is it before a phony person makes it into the Hall of Infamy? When does the fake Dominican cousin make it in? I want it might be a race between that and the fake girlfriend of Manti Teo. We'll see which one makes it in oh. first. <laughs> the catfish? I, 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 come on, I was so all over that one. Uh, but you know what they say. <laughs> you know what they say, right? What's that? Hater's going to hate, man. He's such a hater. He's just such a hater. I've been waiting for that one. Sorry. All right. On the last five minutes here, we'll get onto our final entrant, um, whose name you can't say without the nickname. It's interesting that you just, you cannot, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who are famous, but this is not a baseball player, a non-baseball player, a non-ump, nobody even affiliated with Major League Baseball. Um, it, 
in, not in, not in any degree ever. But as far as we know, as far you know, other than obscure stuff like through a biograph, you know, bi- you know biography, um, has no real major connections to MLB. But it's very interesting because you can't say the name without saying the word little, and it's almost like the nickname. And so for our final entrant, I give you little Jeffrey Meyer. Ah. <laughs> Little Jeffrey Meyer was famous for being a little 12-year-old boy completely fucking the Baltimore Orioles. And once again, another ump is completely tied to this. In this face, Rich Garcia, uh, the an outfield ump who basically – it's funny because when you see the replay of what Jeffrey Meyer did, the ump is standing like right next to Tony Tarasco within about two seconds. So it's even more amazing that he didn't see it because basically, so what happens is Bernie, <laughs> that wasn't Bernie Williams. I'm sorry. Derek Jeter hit, of course it was Jeter, right? Derek Jeter hits the ball to deep right field. Uh, Orioles right fielder, Tony Tarasco jumps up and little mini Bartman, uh, Jeffrey Meyer, <laughs> little, little Jeffrey Meyer reaches completely out into the field of play with his mitt and deflects the ball over the wall. It's, it's, it's obvious. Uh, immediately, Tony Tarasco does his pre-Moises Alou meltdown. Because if you watch the meltdown those two both had, they had the same meltdown. Um, and the ump, no joke, is on the spot, like, immediately. Like, the ump was probably standing, it seems like, 10 feet away from Tony Tarasco when this happened. Because in the time it took him to complain and point up, the umpire appears in the frame of the camera. And this was a widescreen TV, people. He appears in the frame of the camera, pointing up, and saying it was a home run. You almost thought you could see the money sticking out of his back pocket. Uh-oh. All the replays <laughs> showed no no doubt that the ball was over the wall. Uh, and then, of course, the Yankees end up winning the game <laughs> in, in extras. And uh, the Orioles protested, but, of course, they lost because it was a, a judgment call you know this is just like football right you just quote, oh, the judgment call sorry guys yeah it doesn't matter that he reached out and oh, everybody saw it doesn't matter it was a judgment the ump judged improperly um but this this kid will will drink free forever in new <laughs> york city uh years later rich garcia did finally admit that yes jeffrey meyer interfered but he also didn't think that tony tarasco was going to even though the replay clearly showed that basically the ball and the mitt of Jeffrey Mayer were right above the glove of Tony Tarasco. That's like saying that Moises Alou wouldn't have caught the ball that Bartman interfered with. Tarasco's standing right there waiting for the ball to come down. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, he's basically kind of doing like a little half-ass jump by the wall, just sticking his glove out there. This kid stuck his mitt probably two feet out into the field of play. And ended up sort of like corralling the ball to himself. It was pretty, it pretty. It was a good catch. It was a great move to reach over and get the ball. Uh, the next year, the Yankees installed a railing to prevent fans from doing that. <laughs> After, of course, they had won everything. So, of course, little one little kid in New York, and I hate to give it to someone from New York or anything East Coast, but <laughs> you can't say Jeffrey Meyer without saying little Jeffrey Mayer. Little Jeffrey on, Mayer. Yeah. More in the after show. We'll get Andre's thoughts in the after show here. We'll be kicking in here in the next few seconds. Am I going to have to start the music for that, too? 
No, you don't have to. We're we're in the after okay. show now. We're in the after show, people. Get over it. Yes. Now that's uh that's another legendary bad umpire call by by little yeah. Richie Garcia. And uh, I, I have no idea how you missed that call. But, yeah, he was right there because they do have, of course, the outfield umpires during the postseason uh, for, a re- for for the reason that you have close plays at the wall and down the line. And you want your umpire you – have, you want extra umpires out there to make sure they get the calls right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you blow that. Right. It's right in front of you. Guys right there pulling the, – the kids right there pulling the ball in. Little Jeffrey Mayer. Um, he's he did something uh, as a young adult. Now he's playing like college. He was playing college baseball somewhere, I believe. He, uh, he he's tried to have a, a little bit of a career. I, I think he's already flamed out. But uh, yeah, little Jeffrey Mayer is is absolutely is a, a very infamous fan. One of the most infamous fans this side of Bartman, basically, is is little Jeffrey Mayer for for that little stunt that he pulled. Yeah, he was sort of like the OG Bartman. Right? That's right. Because <laughs> he helped his home team, Bartman. I'm just saying. <laughs> he did. And uh, ends up deflecting the ball over the wall, ties the game. Should not have been a home run. Should have just been a, a, a loud out. And, uh, yes, you are correct. The the kid did go on to uh, play college ball. Well, was not drafted. Got a couple tryouts, but basically nothing really amounted to it. I do see here in the bio for, for little Jeffrey Mayer probably <laughs> says, probably says that on his Jersey uh, that he went to the, the college Wesleyan. How's that? Oh, okay. The hotbed of a uh, hotbed of MLB prospects, <laughs> but he is their all time hits leader. How many of those like his parents reached over the wall and grabbed? We'll never know. <laughs> And what that number is, uh, it's probably like 40, the all-time hits leader at Wesleyan. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't hey, have the stats. Yeah. And there's 40 more college hits than I would have, so what do I know? So we get uh, the Lee Elia rant, the law firm of Womack Glanville Die, Don Denkinger, Dino Lorenzi Jr., <laughs> and little Jeffrey Mayer. Those are your 2018 second annual MLB Hall of Fame, Hall of Infamy entrance. That's an excellent class. There's a wide variety of characters and situations covering a a lot of baseball uh, history. A lot of the history that MLB officially doesn't really want to talk about. They don't really want to get into those uh, things that happen necessarily. I'm sure they don't ever want to talk about Ryan Braun's uh, accusations uh, in the in the midst of his failed drug test ever again. I'm sure they don't want to talk too much about little Jeffrey Mayer reaching over the wall ever again. So uh, as, I, as I said at the top of the show, these are the things that, that they need to be highlighted. They need to be remembered because they happen and they are infamous. They are famous. They did happen, whether baseball wants to sweep them out under the rug or not. And, and we're here to provide some of those things that need to be remembered that baseball doesn't want to remember. And then next week I'll be here to provide some more things uh, that the NFL doesn't want you to remember. So that's, that's our job. That's our role in this thing. We tend to cover the topics and the situations that the officials don't really want you to remember, but they happened and we're going to remember them and we're going to point them out for you. 
And, and we've been doing the football one for quite a few years, and we've been doing the baseball one now for two. This might be a first for us. Do you know what that first is? I do not. This might be the first induction show with no murder or rape. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is something. (laughs) (laughs) And if you didn't notice, I I found a new drop that I was figuring prominently into the uh, Ryan Braun discussion there, so... I did, and I'm jealous because we've never talked about it, but I've been looking for that drop for a while. I've been looking for a dun-dun-dun for a long time, <laughs> and, and I, I could not I find it. Looked, I actually looked for quite a while tonight. It took me a long time not only to find one, but to find a good one. Well, that's the best one. I've been looking for that specific one for years. Yeah, so... I, I'm sure when you finally heard that. So wait, so when so when I played that during the Ryan Braun thing, did you kind of like give me the little murmur of like, son of a bitch, you know, the a little, little hawk on me there under your breath? Okay, yeah, you went a little hawk on me. A little bit. God damn it. <laughs> a little, I wish little I hawking, hawking extras when Kyle Seeger hits a grand slam in a game that nobody's <laughs> watching, you know. Just dead silence and then finally drops a god damn it. I loved it. <laughs> Best home run call of all time. Dead silence. Couldn't get the audio on that one, though. <laughs> Don't think you're ever going to find the audio on that one. He winds up, here's the pitch. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, nothing quite like Hawk on a, on a West Coast <laughs> bender. Oh, <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. We now have a uh, we now have a new drop for you. Just so you know, when you're running the board, it is just labeled as DDD. Oh, for dun dun dun. I, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like typing out dun dun dun. Yeah. So I just put I just put DDD. Okay. Yeah. So so now you now we can seamlessly put that into the show, but yeah, no no better use uh, of that for the first time than on the uh, for the for the Jew hating Cub fan, <laughs> Dino <laughs> Lorenti Jr. Oh, man. poor guy! Could you imagine just doing your job? Your job is to just take something from point A to point B, and you can't get there because the place is too far. So you just leave the thing on ice and take it home, and you're not thinking about anything, right? You're probably you probably go home and play some video games or doing something, right? See the wife, and, see the girlfriend. You're just living your life as normal. And in the morning, you take that thing to work, and 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 you mail it off, and yay, goodbye. And then all of a sudden, you got like dudes trying to dig shit up on you, and your name being leaked to the press. And you hate Jews, and you but you love the Cubs. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're the the Jew uh, the Jew hating Cub fan that did that tampered with the <laughs> sample, and you're like, "What are you talking about, dude? What? What? Yeah, yeah. Lorenzi, do you know Lorenzi Junior? And then, and yeah, then you're yeah, you and, and the slimy player, you know, the guy's just looking out for good old number one. Is doing all this and, and actually the, the lobbying with the players and, and oh just so and, and then his apology is the worst. It is. It really was. It, we. Yeah. I, I remember the apology and he's reading from the paper and he's he's just. He's almost got like a not, half smirk on his face, like ah. Yeah. You, you, uh, uh. Not a sincere bone in his body. 
snow and still cashing in on that contract that you probably didn't earn. And still cheered by the Brewer faithful because, again, they'll love you up there no matter what you do. It's, you know, I, and it's, I understand like that's a, probably the would be the same for any home team that yeah, has gone. They probably that's a all. Bit of a, that's a bit of a begrudging. I, I know Brewer fans; they don't like Ryan Braun. I, I, honestly, there are a lot of Brewer fans I know who are not just like, "Yeah, that's our guy." You know, now if he in the course of the game does something. I'm, that right. wins them. Some, I'm sure they're happy because their team won, but I think in general they'd prefer that team without him than with him. It's hard to like him. I, I'm I'm glad to hear there's some people that don't like him. It's, he's a very unlikable person. He's basically a douchebag. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. If I didn't just spell that out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you did you that made it very obvious. Yes. They did that to one guy. But he did that in the name of he cheated, got caught, and instead of just going down, decided to just concoct bullshit. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and that's just and just made up out of thin air. Completely just, just made to, up. To, yeah, to just to to go that low, and then even better, even better, the day, the very day that Braun had the press conference. Of course, everyone has the press conference. They have the, you know, I did not have sexual relations, you know, they, you know uh, or the, you know, you know, I never, you know, never yeah. with the finger point, you know, he had to have the press conference. Where, yeah. <laughs> uh, when he, the day he had the press conference, just, you know, with all, all, you know, he's just, just, he's flabbergasted. How, how, how could this happen? And he's innocent. That was the same day they leaked the guy's name to the media. So not only was it done, it was like coordinated. Like what his team came up with. His his people, not the Brewers. More like his his, his people, not the Brewer team, his his personal team. So I put that out there. Not alleging the Brewers had anything to do with this this level of. Uh, no, this the, level the, of, oh. the team, the cult of Braun is uh, the 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 axis of, of people surrounding yeah. him. That's what they came up with. That the brain trust yeah. up there. So yeah, I, that was a fun show. I enjoy. I yeah. always enjoy Hall of Fame and Hall of Infamy. And that one, that one was pretty breezy. I didn't have. Uh, I only had one drink before the show tonight. <laughs> Just I had a little. I had a beer with dinner. It wasn't any, you know. Wasn't okay. like usual where I'll set myself up down here ready to go with the drink, you know, because <laughs> I need it. No, like I said, that was very uh, the breadth of that uh, of that induction class. Uh, There's a lot covered there, a lot of years covered, a lot of uh, different people, different incidents. Uh, so yeah, it was very very good. I'm uh, I haven't worked on my class for next Sunday. As much as I wanted to, uh, been a little busy, but I'm looking forward already to uh, Wednesday, which I have uh, the day off of work, and I'm basically planning to, to spend that whole day researching and figuring out uh, what what angles I want to cover and what uh, what people and quotes and whatnot that I that I want to induct. I got a few names in mind. Of course, I got the big list here to choose from if I want to choose from some of these people. Uh, but I think I'm going to try. Um, I know 
a couple years ago. Uh, uh, oh, it was Kevin Green that got inducted a couple years ago to the NFL Hall of yeah. Fame, and that made it, it made me uh, remember the fact that he had a, a big wrestling match with Mongo McMichael back in the in the nineties, and it was like a, a oh. major event. <laughs> And as a result, I wound up uh, choosing Mongo to induct Mongo McMichael into the Hall of Infamy. So there, there may be something coming down the line in, uh, along that vein as well, that uh, a person or story that connects to one of the real Hall of Famers getting inducted over the weekend, uh, that I, it might jog my memory and, and I might have a coordinated induction uh, in there. Yeah, we're, right, we're, always looking, we're always looking for, I think, part of the fun especially with the football one, because with the baseball one, it's going to be really easy early to, to just get volume in, you know, and then now, now that we've got this rotation going where we're back and forth. So one of us is always doing an induction show, which I kind of like. Yeah. It keeps us sharp. Yeah. So the next week it flips over and you get to do the induction show. And then I get to, to insert my pithy comments. Um, to what you're bringing up, but uh, on, on the football side, I think part of the fun is us sort of trying to find ways to circumvent and cheat our own rules, <laughs> right? We can't put in the hall of famer, but we could put in his Crocs. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so it, it, or the quote, you know, like, like when I put in uh, the guarantee, you know, That's wasn't right. necessarily say I wasn't putting in Joe Namath. I was just putting in, the guarantee and sort of everything that that represented, you know, because mm-hmm. you know the the market for the the cheapness of guarantees was. I mean, we had a real, we almost had like a fairly deep discussion about the sort of degradation of the guarantee now into almost like a cheap ploy, and uh, so we didn't necessarily put in the Hall of Famer. We put in, we found a way to sort of sidestep our own rules, <laughs> which is, I, I think that's part of the fun. Yeah, for the O four Chargers, I I knew there was a couple of guys on that team that would be oh, real yeah. Hall of Famers someday. So I, that's that's really uh, skirting the the rules because if I'm inducting a team with a Hall of Famer, that's like well, you know, yeah, <laughs> you're kind of and inducting more, a Hall of Famer. And even more specific than the whole team, we were basically what you were putting in was that eleven week run, right? And then the absolute flip to the other side. Or the moment I get on yeah, the, the train and, and yeah, that was driving the, right on. I, I believe that was the very first. And every, whenever we talk about it, that was that was the again that was the the whole genesis of the whole thing. Where when you you know when I'm hot onto something, and then you finally get on board, I'm amazingly not on board anymore. And you've like discovered the secret, and then it all goes horribly wrong. Horribly, horribly runs. It's amazing yeah. how that always seems to work that way. Yeah, like I'm literally like I'm, I'm just riding a team and riding a team and riding a team, and there's no way. How can you be riding a team this much? And then you finally see like, well, maybe they are pretty good. And then you go, aha! I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop this. I'm gonna pick them, and then I'll pick against them, and you'll lose. Yes. Yeah. Which has happened again. I don't know if it was. It might be even more famously with that Kansas City Chiefs team. <laughs> Because they, they I mean, because of the wait. fact that they're up, what was it? Just, it wasn't thirty to nothing, but it was. They were something. up thirty points almost in the playoff game against Andrew Luck, 
and and I believe and I, I knew texted they were you lose. something like, "Oh, we got them right where we want them." Type, you know. Yeah. And I texted back, I knew, "We're gonna lose." Yeah. yeah. They're gonna lose. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, you text. I remember I was at a restaurant. And you had texted me like something, or I texted you. Well, that was well. Actually, the the one where I texted you this last year was the one with the Titans. With oh the big, God! With the, big, with the big comeback in in the first playoff game, I believe was that against the Chiefs. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh man, you and the Chiefs. Well, Alex Alex Smith is trying to play his way into the Hall of Infamy, blowing big leads in the playoffs like this. That, that's it. That's his thing. <laughs> Not now he's out of there. In the playoffs, screwing you on picks. <laughs> right. And now his ass so is out of there, so I don't yeah, have to worry about if, that. Blowing a big lead in the playoffs, that's no big deal. People can do that. But when it affects us, that's when it hurts. That's when it becomes very memorable. Yes. So, oh, well, I'm glad I got, I'm glad I got through that. So, and I still have, I still have, uh, I mean, I have some last-minute ones still that didn't even make the cut. Totally, totally worthy. So I'm, I'm excited now for for 2020. I've I've got a list here. Let me see. I've got a list of one, two. I've got a list of four already that made that didn't make the cut. There you go. That'll be which means waiting could, for 2020. Yeah, 2020. I'm, I'm almost set. This is why. This one and then the you know the NFL one. It's like the I'm, I'm pretty much already you know my football list for next year. I've pretty much got. I'm the only the only real drama is are you going to swipe any of them? Right. Well, the fo- football one is unlikely because it's, we've had so many already inducted that. Uh, yeah. But the baseball but in no one, way. there's some, still some high profile ones that maybe I'll I'll take away from yeah. you. Yeah, the Lee Elia one. I, I think I was. I don't have a list for the baseball ones, but if I started a list, I probably would have come across that uh, at some point. Because that is yeah, a, and it, it, like a you talk about when you think about any quotes, any we we got the quotes uh, wing yeah. in football. Well, if you have a baseball wing of quotes, you kind of gotta start there. It like, that has to go in first, right? That's got yeah. to go in first. That, you can't have a quote legendary baseball. Yeah. You can't have a quote. Well, it's also very profanity least. I mean, that's always good too. Yeah. And now we can listen to it anytime we want to. <laughs> Eighty-five percent of the world's working. The other fifteen come out here. <laughs> that's just great. It's as good as it gets. <laughs> how much you know? And how much of it was also sort of like a painful truth. Absolutely, <laughs> which is another thing that just made it so so raw. Did you do you know that after that the tirade and that all went public, the Cubs won eight in a row? So it must have worked. <laughs> and it's uh, and that and that, and that was part of the truth too. That he's saying they're not this bad. Stop ripping them like no. this. They're not quite that, that bad. And then the next year, most of that same roster, that '84 Cubs team, is one of the more legendary teams in. Chicago sports history. Not yeah, you mentioned... just for not just for blowing the two games to none lead against the Padres, but for being the, it was the first Cubs team to win a pennant in uh, well not a pennant but a division title in thirty nine years. Yeah, you mentioned Bowen and Moreland being two guys that were ready to go into the stands. 
the very next totally year, those are two. Oh, absolutely. Oh, especially yeah. Boa. <laughs> yeah. But those Old two Bobby guys, are very, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the very next year, those are two starters on maybe yeah. the best team in the National League, you know, if the Padres didn't make their, their big comeback. Yeah. But if, if Wrigley Field had lights, you mean? Were they actually going to yeah. play game five at Wrigley? <laughs> yeah. Where, where the team with a better record decided... should have had home field advantage, yeah. It, yeah, it only got two out of the five games because MLB decided they wanted the games in prime time. Yeah. Cubs, you, the Cubs didn't want lights, so MLB kind of showed them. Three years later, they had lights. Right. <laughs> you don't want so lights, they, huh? Okay. <laughs> I, I guess they made their point. Uh, yeah. I remember being little and seeing those lights being constructed. I, I just thought they were an absolute monst- monstrosity. <laughs> I thought they were so hideous. I, th- I didn't. I didn't think they fit the ballpark, you know. And, you know, there were a lot of people who didn't want night baseball at Wrigley Field, right? They just wanted their. Oh, that's still. They, they were unique. They wanted. The, they just wanted the day baseball, and that's what it was all about. Was that one twenty or three oh five start? And I just remember going by the stadium in you know in eighty eight. So I was twelve when they had the first night game, and I remember seeing the lights being constructed and the light towers going up, and just thinking they were hideous. There's not too many more ways you could show your age than by saying, I remember how beautiful Wrigley Field was when they didn't have lights. Yeah. Well, I mean, hell, you look at Wrigley Field now, it doesn't even – I mean, there's a lot of the key elements are still there, but they've got the giant bleachers now, the video boards. It really does look totally different, but yeah. yeah. My least favorite accoutrement in the stadium is the stupid freaking hey-hey on the foul poles. Oh. You know I hate them because you've been to games with me. Yeah, I know. So it's, it's the foul poles. You hardly ever oh, look at them. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's only a slight step above the foul pole in Houston where it was the F-O-W-L pole because of, like, Chick-fil-A oh. or whatever it was. Oh, my oh, God. That's, that's awful. Yeah. And it was actually on the pole, and it said foul pole. Yeah. Foul pull. Some marketing firm got Sponsored paid a lot of money by. to come up with that. Yeah, brought to you by. Brought to you by. <laughs> Somebody got paid a good amount of money to come up with that. Uh, I don't. That's what I, I, I'm in the wrong profession, clearly. No, no joke. All the all the ridiculously shitty stuff that we come up with. We God, we could have totally had a an, an ad background because we come up with stupid tacky shit. We do it all the time. And if we got in a room with uh, with a bunch of alcohol, we could have come up with even more. You and, and I could have been our jobs. You and I used to sit around and watch baseball and and predicted the future about like everything being sponsored in the game. The fifth inning is brought to you by yeah, the, Fifth the, Third Base. <laughs> that first pitch strike was brought. To, oh, <laughs> and it, 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 we used to joke about that. That was what's funny is we used to really make happening. jokes about it, and it's the truth. Now it's really happening. Yeah, because while I mean, we were joking about it, now, every time somebody I was sitting Cubs around game, going, hey, this can really happen. Yeah. And, yeah we, we gave more ideas out. The, 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 the oh, God, but we, the people who were listening into the calls, right? You know, I guess those were calls. Russians. I guess they were Russians. Right. Um, yeah, the, video, the video boards uh, behind Wrigley now, you know, so every time I watch a Cubs game at Wrigley, it's like I suddenly want Giordano's, and I don't know why. <laughs> 
uh, the, that subliminal advertising. It's amazing how that works. Every well, I, I, every stadium has that now, right behind uh, yeah. a home the plate, stupid, right in, in yeah, the in green view screen of the camera. video board. Well, no, some of them have the little you know rolling things oh, the, on the, the side. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that must be like in like Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, in Oakland and you stuff, know. yeah. Yeah, Oakland. <laughs> Just watching Surprise, a game and all Oakland of a sudden you're... two dudes holding the banner. <laughs> you're watching a game and all of a sudden you have a desire to call a law firm for some reason. and Not, not the law firm, but a different law firm that's being advertised on a the wall there. He's like, what, why Why do I have a need to call Johnson and Farmer Hagen? Wait, oh, because of the sign there. Okay, yeah. I didn't even see that. So, yeah, there's so many ideas we could have come up with. Yeah, we've been ripped off so many times. I tell you. <laughs> so, well, we got we got we got 30 minutes. I, I'm assuming left here. Uh, what, what, what do we got? What 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 would you like to get off your mind here? I, I dominated the first 90 minutes of the show. So, I don't. I, we just did a show uh, last week, so I don't. I don't really have much of anything. Uh, but the only thing I wanted to ask you is go ahead and give your uh, uh, comments and opinions. We were joking about who was going to uh, overpay for Cole Hamels in the trade race, and it winds up being your yeah. cubbies. You know, I, I don't want to say they overpaid because I don't think that Eddie Butler and a and a minor league guy that are really overpaying. Right. So, not in the vein of what the Cubs used to overpay for to get. I mean, now I'm seeing players like the Brad Brock was traded to the Braves today for nothing more than international pool money, which is like the newest cool thing to apparently trade for is international signing money. And I think that's all Baltimore got. I don't even think they got a PTBNL. No, I think just that was cash. Really just... It. Yeah, that's basically money. I mean, they're just buying players now. They don't even have to send you a player anymore. I mean, so the joke that we always used to make about trading a guy for a bag of balls, well, someday that will happen. Yeah, you're just giving it, – it's not even cash. It's cash that can only be used in a specific way. That's uh, uh, that's yeah. so baseball. Baseball yeah, would come up with money. that rule. Can they trade for stripper money? Money that can only be yeah. uh, in singles – Folded in half and tucked into a g-string. That's the only way you can use yeah. that cash. Yeah, it's it, it's sweaty. The money comes already pre-sweaty. <laughs> and pre-something else. If yeah. if uh, you get some of those yeah. talented strippers I've seen through the years, I can pick up that money with certain parts of their body. But that's a different story. Yeah. yeah, and then someone else is going to get traded in the next couple of days for a really nice buffet after the game. <laughs> some catering. Catering money. We, we traded no, no. him to the uh, to the Dodgers for tickets to the Bellagio in Vegas. That's what we traded him for. <laughs> if if Cole Hamels finds a way to be worse than Tyler Chatwood, I'll be stunned. Oh, so that would be hard to do. Yeah. So at that point, if all you're trying to do is replace Chatwood in the rotation, get a guy with a little postseason experience maybe he'll you know maybe the change of scenery will sort of revitalize him I mean hell look at Verlander last year not that Cole Hamels and Justin Verlander are of the same ilk but the change of scenery into a contending situation does sometimes kind of like you know build up a guy maybe now he's actually playing for something so he'll be he'll he'll 
he'll he'll sort of recapture some magic. That's all I think they're asking for out of him. I mean, the Cubs had John Lackey for for some of those runs in the playoffs where he was kind of a bum for most of the. But then he'd come out in the playoffs and he'd he'd, he'd pitch well because it was just sort of like he went back into that mode. So if if that's what all we're getting Hamels for, that so my bar for Hamels is pretty low. Inning right. leader, don't get destroyed. Be better than Tyler Chatwood and make a meaningful appearance in the postseason. And and and, and you know, I'm assuming we make it there and 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 acquit yourself well. I don't think that I've put the expectations through the roof for him. Okay, that sounds fair. Okay. There's also getting him out of Texas and into a, a much better uh, pitching environment for, uh, yes. you know, Wrigley Field, of course, when the wind's blowing out is as treacherous as any, but when it's blowing in, is it's, it's great for pitchers. So yeah. uh, there's really and, no situation Texas is good for pitching. So just to get him out of there. And his home road splits this year were pretty indicative of that. I think his ERA on the road this year was under three and he oh. had a, four plus ERA at whatever they're calling the ballpark in Arlington these days. <laughs> I think it's Globe Life Park. I believe. Yeah, it's something stupid. Yeah. Another thing that we predicted. <laughs> the silly as sponsorship of parks and all the different. Yeah, we, we, did a, we did a pretty decent length segment back early, in the early days of this show about the stupid shit names for the stadiums. Because uh, I thought I remember we were talking about the pink taco thing. <laughs> and then we went into some of these ones and you were bringing up some of the hockey arenas and the basketball arenas and it just right, I, how you know, like the like the bowl names you know have gone completely <laughs> in the right field here you know it, it so yeah I, I just all I know that as is the ballpark in Arlington so you know they want to sue me they can it's like Sears Tower a proper name hey you, you didn't call it Willis Tower Willis is going to be very mad at you <laughs> I still can't even Willis. call the whatever the guaranteed rate. I think that's what Hawk officially quit. <laughs> he saw the name of the stadium and was like, oh, oh God <laughs> damn it. I'm out of here. I'm gone. Stone Pony? I, I can't <laughs> take it anymore. That's right. I'm gone. I'm gone. He gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, for baseball names, I think the White Sox have it covered for the most ridiculous. Have they taken the cake? Yeah, uh, but even still, as, as I was going on Wikipedia of what you were, you were talking about, like, listening uh, uh, listing some of the basketball arenas and hockey arenas, I still don't know if they're quite as dumb as Vivint Smart Home Arena, which I think is the uh, Utah Jazz uh, <laughs> Arena. What? Oh, that's huh? bad. Man, who says uh, that? Either either that or New Orleans plays in the Smoothie King Arena. That's pretty yeah. bad as well. <laughs> we, we think those both made well, – I know the Smoothie King made the show one time before. But imagine you're a kid growing up and you're trying to, like, bond with the place. You know, and, and it's like, you know, you'd hear stories like, we're old, right? You know, comparatively, you know, it's, we feel old. But you'd hear stories about, like, the old days and, oh, I went to – Wrigley Field and Comiskey Park and Tiger Stadium and, you know, Ebbets Field. And I remember when I was young and I was at Smoothie King. <laughs> uh, you know, like the Bulls or Chicago Stadium, right? The stadium. It, I mean, it had like some, 
you know, it had like an air to it. What, what does Smoothie King Arena have to it? Um, a lot of laughs. Yes. They, 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 a lot it, of people yeah. are laughing at it. <laughs> well, you're not going to be a kid growing up with all those fond memories of, of Smoothie King Arena or Vivid What the Fuck Stadium or whatever the <laughs> hell that was. I like that a lot better. Vivid you know, What the Fuck Stadium. <laughs> This is why we'll never be announcers for the Utah Jazz. Welcome to Vivid What the Fuck Stadium. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Vivid What the Fuck Stadium for tonight's home game featuring your yeah. Utah Jazz. You can probably say that nobody in the crowd would even raise an eyebrow. In Utah, they might. Elsewhere, yeah, oh, yeah right that's true. Notice. They might get your ass. You swore. <laughs> What? Did he just... Oh, my goodness. Everyone's clutching their pearls at the same time. Gee willikers! Did you hear what that man just said? <laughs> yeah. Um, where? How do we get on that? That's, we we got into the kingdom of non-sequitur. <laughs> That's how we got on that. We still got, you know, little kings of non-sequitur in us before we actually have to start holding to a script here. Yeah, I know. I, I'm we're not. Sort of, we're a month. What, a, what are we? A month away from football preview? Labor Day weekend. That's right. I've been keeping a, a sort of a a scant eye on the uh, training camps as well. So I don't know if there's anything. Not. Else. Okay. Other than like, other than Twitter. Now you will think. Yeah. That I'm never on Twitter. I read Twitter. I very rarely participate in Twitter. Sure. Because most of most of Twitter just makes me go, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I, I totally hear you there. Uh, did you watch any of the uh, actual Hall of Fame today? No, no, not okay. at all. I had I, it. On, I have no. As you know, I have no. I had use it on a real Halls of Fame. <laughs> I had it on at work. All Pretty right. much everybody gave kind of the same speech. You know, it, what do you do? You know, it, it, oh, it, Chipper Jones. Oh. Another guy with a doesn't have a sincere bone in his body. Uh, I have to make some some serious amends here. So I was at a Cubs game in I don't know, probably the late nineties. You know, things things were a lot less politically correct back then. But I really hated Chipper Jones. Right, hated him. You know that. Chipper Jones. Oh, I hate it. This uh, still. I remember what you yelled at Chipper Jones. I yelled. I'll say it because I'm going to apologize here. I I yelled Chipper Jones is a fag really loud, and I knew the players on the field heard me because some of the bullpen guys were kind of looking at me. I was like, (laughs) "Oh shit!" I said that pretty loud because I was saying it when everybody was booing him, and then it's like everybody stopped, and then I yelled, and I was like, "Oh, did they? Did it? (laughs) Not a little loud?" Well, I, I do want to apologize now to the entire gay community. <laughs> <laughs> For lumping Chipper Jones in with you guys. Wow. Thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> you didn't expect that, did you? You thought I was going to apologize to Chipper Jones. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, you, you got me. I... I thought you were gonna make everything right. I'm like, and and it, 
struck me strange too because I know how much you hate Chipper Jones with every fiber yeah. of your being. Well, I hate him so much that I, I should not have lumped him in with gay people. Gay people did gay nothing people. wrong to deserve. They didn't do nothing to deserve <laughs> me. Gay people are much more Jones honorable. Their whole community. Much more honorable than the louse that is Chipper Jones. Now, I don't hate him as Come much on, as you do, but I just I, I don't. Uh, for anyone that's never read the story of his personal life, go back and Google some of that and find Larry. The, the, I, you talk about just the uh, the worst. The guy's yeah. got a wife and kid at home early on in, in his marriage, and is going out knocking up women and impregnating women on the road. Like that's that's just that's lousy, man. That's just I, I can't imagine Ric Flair. Uh, in, in that documentary about him that I watched uh, last year, or maybe it was earlier this year, but no, I think it was last year, but that the documentary about the stuff that yeah. he was doing on the road and um, and his wife is calling him saying, why didn't you have your wedding ring on when you're on TV? And he's like, I don't know. And, and laughing at it, you know, just, just, oh. just yeah. obviously a louse and, you can talk about growing up and, and learning your lessons and me, but people who do that, they are who they are. You know, when they show you who they are, you should believe them stuff, you know, the stuff that yeah. I've sort of been talking about the last few years about, uh, about Trump. I don't want to go down that road, but when people yeah. show you who they really are, you should really believe them. And people like Chipper Jones and, and Flair and guys like that, just, they're just, they're lousy people. Ryan Braun, you can lump him into keep the theme of the show going. Uh, people who are just completely disgusting human beings who show you who they are, what they're really made of, uh, and, and just 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 disgusting. And, and Tom Brady, uh, and I'll tie that in a little bit with starting football season. Going, Tom Brady is starting to show me a little bit of what he is because he uh, everything is is roses and smiling and and everything is wonderful when things are going well for Tom Brady. But when they're not, he basically just turns into a prick. Uh, a reporter was asking him about uh, Brady's little personal training guru, Alex Guerrero, uh, and, the, and it's a legitimate question. The fact that Guerrero uh, started working with Julian Edelman, and all of a sudden Edelman gets popped for peds, and was there any connection there? And, and Brady just, that's ridiculous, and, and walks away and, and shuts the whole interview down. Uh, you don't you don't think you deserve to have to answer for a guy that it's been widely reported you wanted in your locker room and Bill Belichick basically had to tell you get this guy out of here he's not on the team what are you doing and and now your teammate gets popped for PEDs and uh, right after working with your your guru uh, you should have to answer for stuff like that but he thinks he can smile and get away with pretty much anything uh, and and he has he's gotten the pass from everybody all these years because he's been a winner and he, and he just smiles at anything that's uh, mildly, you know, uh, controversial or uh, might be something that he's uncomfortable answering. He'll just kind of smile and, and show that dimple uh, and get away with not answering any real questions. But he's showing me what he's made of too. He doesn't, he, he's so evasive. He doesn't confront anything head on that that's going on. Everything is just, We'll take it one day at a time, and we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. There's there's nothing yeah. sincere about Tom Brady, just like a lot of guys. Now, 
there's almost like uh you know as the fame and the winning and all the the goat and all that bullshit sort of you've sort of seen the duality now with Tom Brady like there was the was Tom Brady and now he is Tom Brady and he's basically two separate people now now he's just a marketing campaign that's all he is now he's a logo he is he's TB that's all he is right mm-hmm. So, he'll be, that's it. I mean, he'll that's, be appearing no, doing interviews with uh, WWE36.com soon. <laughs> yeah, he's Tiger Woods wearing his own little stupid TW. Yeah. You know, a Tiger had a very similar sort of – now, Tiger had the big fall. Oh, that's a fall. Now, you, you know, I don't have a golf hall of infamy here. Perkins' uh, waitress would probably favor oh. quite prominently <laughs> in the – in the PGA Hall of Infamy, <laughs> and a couple of porno stars, uh... Buzzy Zeller. Yeah, we could we could get quite a few people. Oh, <laughs> well, you Buzzy you know not, not to go into it. Yeah, but you and I were going to come out with you know we had the, the the video game. Remember we had? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. We had the first one, which was the uh, the, the, the 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 softball game for the blind, and then. <laughs> The other one we had that we almost never talk about was Fuzzy yeah. Diller Golf. Yeah. So <laughs> you can with, know, with, we don't even have to get into that. You can imagine how that would how that would go. <laughs> you don't even really have to go slurs. there. Yeah, Fuzzy Diller Golf, much. complete with all the racial slurs. So, um, yeah, we we came up with it all. <laughs> Nobody is safe with us. Nobody is safe. So it's never safe around us. Yeah, but no, I, I, so I watched the yeah, I watched Larry. And then I watched uh, yeah, Trevor Hoffman. <laughs> Trevor Hoffman gave a gave a nice speech. Uh, deserved to be there. I mean, all the all the all all the hand wringing about these closers and you know the, these guys are important. And, and Trevor Hoffman was one of the best ever. He compiled a lot of saves. Six hundred and six hundred saves. That's a lot. And you know, again, but he did it on the West Coast, right? He did it. At, a lot of those games, he was closing at midnight our time. Right. A lot of those games are getting closed at one o'clock on the East Coast. Nobody was watching Trevor Hoffman. Now everybody remembers him blowing up in the World Series. Yeah, and also because there's against, uh, because that was against the Yankees. It was a, the great Yankees, uh, of course. Uh, and also yeah. the way he was doing it was so much different than everybody else. It, everyone was blowing everybody away, yeah. and he was doing it with a with a changeup. Yeah. And, and not knowing that I did, I, so I learned about his career without even really knowing a lot about it. Didn't know he started as a position player. I, I didn't know that there was an injury. So he, so first he then he switched to a reliever. Then he was like a flamethrower. Then he hurt himself, and then sort of had to develop another pitch, and then discovered his changeup, and had one of the best change, probably what the second best changeup to Mariano's, maybe maybe third after Johan Santana. But Trevor Hoffman's got to be up there of having what a top three changeup. Yeah, it was it was awesome. He got people out in front yeah. consistently. Yeah, but I bet those are probably the top two of Fred of him, right? Mariano and or Mariano was the cutter. Yeah, I don't think Mariano had to use a changeup. Mariano was the changeup. He was just the cutter. He just threw one pitch. He just threw yes. one pitch. It got everybody out. And then yeah, but yet Johan Santana always jumps into my mind as far as like the lethal changeup. Mm-hmm. So. When I think of lethal change-ups now, I'll just think of uh, Mariano's cutter. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll think of Johan Santana and Trevor Hoffman there. Yeah. But, 
Yeah. So I watched it. His speech was nice, you know, and then you they cut to everybody in the in the in the in the fans who are crying, you know, and the family members and all that. And then Jim Tomey gave his speech. And, and Vladimir Guerrero was pretty quick. I didn't get to see any of his speech because it was over so fast and I was working. His speech was over that quick. And uh, I don't remember if – did I see any of the other ones? I didn't see I any said... of Jack Morris's speech. Jack Morris was up there, and I didn't see his speech. I just saw a little bit of his highlight package and then I mean, I'll, I'll only ever think of Jack Morris for that, that 10 inning start that he had with the Twins that's it for me and then that 84 Tigers team well that 10 inning start probably put put him in the Hall of Fame cause probably. Was, well, yeah, come on who, 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 how many starters go 10 innings anymore oh well now no zero, not, uh, zero. zero. Yeah. That, that would be zero um but it's funny uh, how my interest in the real Hall of Fame has fallen off so much over the years because I remember saying as you know recently as 15 years ago or so that the three major league Hall of Fame speeches that I would love to see for three totally different reasons were Vladimir Guerrero, Manny Ramirez, and Pedro Martinez. Vlad, because he never spoke, yeah. so I would be interested in what he had to say, period. Uh, Pedro, because he spoke a lot and was was outspoken, and so I wanted to hear what he would say on on that day. And Manny, who's never going to make the hall now because of all the drugs, but I wanted to hear Manny's speech because he's crazy, and I couldn't uh, could couldn't wait to hear what he would have to say. Uh, but now I don't care about any of them at all because it's just so it's the Hall of Fame to me. The real Hall of Fame is nothing but. Uh, basically a popularity contest. It's all about how many media members like you. And then there's the subtext of which media members are going to vote against you, no matter how much uh, you deserve to be in the hall of fame. And that's, that's the other thing that turned me off to the real hall of fame is the fact that nobody can ever be inducted unanimously, even no matter how much you deserve to be inducted unanimously. The fact that anyone had to find a reason to vote against Greg Maddox or Ken Griffey Jr. or right. a, a handful of other guys that are just obvious Hall of Famers, but they had, somebody had to find a way to vote against it. It's like, why are we even pretending that there's a reason to vote against these guys as being some of the greats of all time? So I, I don't really have any use for any real Hall of, Halls of Fame anymore. And, and that's what tells me that this has got to be coordinated, right? Because what, what would happen if somebody accidentally was like unanimous? You know, they'd all be looking at each other. These baseball writers are put, you know, hey, be looking at each other like, hey, we, I thought them. you weren't going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm we've made that joke that. once before on the show, but it, that's an oldie but goodie right there. Uh, yeah, it, it, to your point, when Jim Tomey got up, I caught the uh, beginning of his speech. And do you know who he thanked first and foremost? Who's that? Stupid-ass writers. No. Oh. His Thank you to the writers thing. for voting me in. Thanks to the writers. Kiss ass. Yeah. Know, he, well, guess what? He's a media figure. Now he's on MLB Network. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, I was tired of seeing Brian Kenny right behind everybody, like, like, like right in the second row there. It's like, oh, God. Probably <laughs> one of my least favorite sports anchor type people ever. He's not very likable. No. So. Didn't need to see him. I just thought he was crying for the whole induction because we didn't have a lot of Yankees. 
Well, they can't all be Yankees. Ugh. So yeah, that was so that was my experience. And there was also no baseball on, so I turned on all the TVs right. at work this morning, and MLB Network was on from yesterday, so it went right into that. And I was like, I just will just leave it on. And then when the uh, I had to start, yeah, I had to switch over when the Brewers game started, but they lost. So hey. <laughs> Kind of stinks uh, working at a place with a lot of people who shop and work who are all Brewer fans, and I'm sort of like, you know, pumping my fist when bad things happen to them. <laughs> then I have to kind of look around and be like, oh, did anybody see that? No, I, I'm still laughing at the story about you not wanting to go on the, the local news when your wife and you were going to no. the, uh, the football yeah. game. <laughs> no, my wife went on. She's like, do you want to go on? I'm like, <laughs> no, I work with the public. The last thing I needed to be was sitting there with my wife on TV. Be like, yeah, I'm the Falcons fan, and we're going to drive down to the game. And then, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, oh, that that would hurt my sales. Yeah. I'm sorry. The next day, here come all the angry Packer fans into your store. Yeah. You're the guy. Well, no, not only that, then it was a blowout. No. If the Packers had won, they'd be just laugh at me and rub it in. Right. And, uh, right, right, right. and I could just kind of be like, oh, self-deprecating and take it. No, no, no. They didn't just lose. They got destroyed in that game. Yeah. That was probably the most lopsided football game I've ever been to. So, there was that. So, I'm glad I did not go on TV and put that out there. And, and then to have two weeks later... The twenty-eight to three meltdown. Doubly glad that I did not go on TV <laughs> and get associated with that at all. So it's bad enough everybody knows my wife in this town because of all the years that she's been in, you know, in in, in banking and doing the things that she's been doing. So it seems like everywhere we go, everybody knows her, anyways. And then yeah. I'm just sort of known as her husband because I people just walk up to me and start talking to me, and they're like, they know me, and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> I have no idea who these people are. Oh, we saw pictures of you on, on Facebook. We're friends with your wife. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And then let's go on to comment how cute my kids are. So <laughs> I'm going on an adventure this week. Ooh. Yeah. I headed down to Chicago on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Trade Fest. I forgot about all that. And And I'm a sucker because I will not be alone. Really? That's right. The cute factor is going with me. All right. Introduce them to Chicago. So Trinity, or the cute factor, or our third co-host, is making the trip (laughs) down to Chicago with me. Just me and her. That's cool. My son's going to be here, and he's going to have mommy time. And my daughter's has been really angling to go to Chicago. And I was like, Trinity, I got to go to a barbecue. Oh, I know. It's going to be boring. For her, not for me, but I don't, I don't care. Like, okay. She's like, well, who's going to be there? It was like, you know, all the people that I'm in my baseball league with, they're going to be there. And I can't just leave her at the hotel, so I got to take her. And I said, you know, you can talk to them. I'm sure they can talk to you. And she goes, no, daddy, stranger danger. (laughs) I was like, well, (laughs) no, it's it's okay. I know all these people. She's smart. She knows our league, so she's, she's <laughs> right about that. I like, no, I think you'll be okay, Trinity. I don't think you're gonna have. I don't think you're gonna be alone. I don't think you're gonna have any one-on-one time. 
you know, with any of these people. Um, and then she was also joking because I told her that when, when I go to pick up our friend Bill that she has to call him loser. <laughs> so being six years old, she thinks that's, you know, like really funny that she's going to get to say something like that. So I've already got it all planned. Loser, 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 loser. She's going to say hi, loser. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so I'm going to try to uh, go down there. Yeah, I'm going to go down there Wednesday early and be down there Wednesday evening for the trade fest, the last official day that we can make any trades in our league. I'm going to try to maintain our team point lead um, and, and, and come home with a win here this season. So and our, our, our buddy, the loser, has snuck into second place. What? Get out of here. Yeah. It's just a mess behind us. So if you look at the standings, it's like we were up by 15 points and then like second place through eighth place, it's like seven points. So it's basically yeah, just did. like, it's like soup. And every day there's like a new team in second place. So then there's another, you know, and it's just this sort of like revolving door of, of right. teams that are sort of like, but I'm just, you know, and I just keep waiting. Which one of them is going to kind of like, you know, jump out and, and, and kind of take out, take on that second place spot. So it's like, okay, if I need to make moves, I know I'm doing it against this team. But instead, I have like four teams right behind us that are all like three points apart. Right. Except I will say, if there's a team in our league that had maybe the worst 48 hours that I have ever seen in the history of our league, it was our commissioner. Um. I'll give you four names, and you can tell me if the commissioner had a good 48 hours, right? Cole Hamels, Joe Kim Soria, Mike Mistakis, and Aaron Judge. Oh. Gone, I don't know if gone, you can have gone, a and broken. Gone, 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 and yeah, broken wrist. Did they say three weeks before you can even pick up a bat? Right. That's not three weeks in one day that you're back hitting 450-foot home runs. So you could probably do it with one hand. Probably. I think Aaron Judge could just scare the ball over the wall. He's so big. <laughs> yeah, he's he a bunch homer. Yeah. You know, I don't know if Aaron, Aaron Judge doesn't really do, like, the mean face thing, though. You know, so he's not going to be, like, one of these angry guys. Because you know, Aaron Judge looks like he's always, like, perpetually happy. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. I hate people who look happy all the time. <laughs> he could go like 0 for 4 with 4 strikeouts and still have a smile on his face. You know? <laughs> he seems like a genuinely happy guy. But Aaron Judge is a strong dude. So if anybody can hit a home run with a broken wrist, it's probably him. But yeah, that's that's, that's pretty bad. That's a pretty bad uh, 48 hours there. Yes, I, I had I had a, a stretch like that similar in our very first season when half my team got traded out of the league like in, in, in right at the deadline. So I'm sweating out the deadline here because a couple of our players are starting, you know, bounced around on some trade stuff, but none of it was like overly serious, especially considering that, you know, some of the guys on the team are really starting to hit like guys who like were totally like left for dead on the team in the first half who I completely gave up on are starting to hit like Jonathan Scope. And finally, who's like, around, but... who's like the hottest hitter in baseball right now. Or if you're paying any attention to what Cole Calhoun's been doing over the last yeah. two, three weeks. I mean, these guys were dead in the like, – like, we got to first place not thanks to these guys. Yeah. 
And now all of a sudden it's like we basically just added players. Like we didn't have to trade for players. We just needed the ones on the team who sucked to start performing. Just woke up and then decided to start playing baseball. Yeah. Which was why I also traded for Justin Upton, who might be one of the greatest second half players I've ever seen. (laughs) And he did it again today at a three run homer. But yeah, you're you're right to be worried because this trade uh, deadline has been, to me, much, about the most active I've ever seen with all the trades that have been made, and we're we still got a few days left to go. So it, it yeah, feels like anything days can left. still happen. Right. So you know, and Altuve just went on the DL. But again, this was this is why you make those moves for like the Mookie Betts and, and those types of guys, so you're not just all the eggs in one basket, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. We're doing okay. I'm excited. So I'll, I'll be back uh, next week. I'm sure I'll report on it after the Hall of Infamy football portion next week. And I'll also definitely be recapping my, my 48 hours in Chicago with the cute factor. See how that goes. Yeah. Tell me how many – keep the counter on how many times she calls loser, loser, because I'm thinking it's going to be like <laughs> over 10. It, 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 no, I'm going to keep track of how many times she says it in giggles. Yeah. <laughs> laughs. Or makes yeah. or makes her usual like look at me face, you know, after she does it, you know, mm-hmm. which which is like, oh, I'm funny, right? Mm-hmm. Is, you know, she's actually a pretty funny kid, but you we know that she's been on the air yeah. many times. You've met her many times. She's just a little, she's a little ham. She is. And 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 my son, cute factor the second, is uh, trying to take after her. So, so we we still managed to pull two hours out of this show when you didn't have anything to talk about. Is that a surprise? No. We probably could have gone another hour. But I'm starting to fade. So I guess I guess we could end that here. We can. Uh, all I wanted to do was uh, give some very quick cl- uh, plugs because I haven't done oh, that yeah. in a long time. For any new listeners, for anyone that's uh, an old listener, thank everybody for listening. We always appreciate it. Uh, if you have any feedback for us on the Baseball Hall of Infamy or anything else, you can send us an email. You can send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. Uh, you can listen to the show in a variety of ways on iTunes. Search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Search uh, any one of your favorite podcasting apps. We may be on there. We probably will be on there uh, because Blog Talk Radio has a, a very wide uh, reach with their, their RSS feed. So uh, search for us anywhere you want or come right back here to the show page. Uh, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail and search through our archives and listen to any of the 270 some odd shows that we've done over the years. Uh, Crazy. This one, I, I know. This one, the Baseball Hall of Infamy induction and next Sunday night at the same time, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern, I will be here with our Football Hall of Infamy induction. So, Jay, as All the right. host, I guess you can take us home. Well, to get us ready, I'll, I'll get us ready for next week. tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day.
Because if they're the real Chicago fucking fans, they can kiss my fucking ass right there. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 